When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we start with football guys talking softball after OU's huge win in Game 2 of the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Then we talk some OU football by going over what a typical week is like for an OU football player during the summer. And then we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, June 10th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in June from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 summer vacation promotion. That is a lot of money. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now, we're recording this a little later than normal on Wednesday night, Ted, because we had to watch the Oklahoma Sooner softball team roll the Seminoles in game two of the Women's College World Series Championship Series. Let's go. It's so fun. It's so intense. You hang on every pitch, every out. Action-packed offense. You got home runs. You got acrobatic catches. You got double plays. You've got 
fans furious with the umpires. It's got everything you want in a sporting event. So it's got beverages, cold beverages, lots of them. Hey, white claw tall boys. <laughs> it's I not quite that. a Will and Wiley. They should have Will and Wiley tall boys instead. But yeah, if if you're gonna have to stand in line and the lines are long, give them 24 ounces. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Okay, normally we start with the OU football stuff, but we're starting with softball. Football guys talking softball. That's what we're starting with because those women deserve it because that was a hell of a bounce back performance. You know, going back and looking at game one of the championship series, Nicole May didn't have her best stuff. It, it was a death via the Kayleys, right? Kaylee Mudge and Kaylee Harding there for the Seminoles. I mean, Mudge had three hits, Harding with four RBI, including the big homer early in that game. Now, OU made so many mistakes in that game and didn't get great pitching, and they just looked a little bit off. But in game two, it was actually – it felt like the mistake that got things rolling in the right direction – came from Florida State on the throwing air there on the shortstop that got, what was it, Jennings on, and then Jocelyn Allo sends one to the damn moon mm-hmm. opposite field, and it just it kept rolling from there, right? Yeah, and that's what they've done, and they kept putting the graphic up, and it's something that you know I've been talking about all week with this team is like the third or fourth time through the, the lineup, through the order, they're on you. And they start to generate some big-time offense hits, home runs. Uh, they get aggressive out there on the bases. And that fifth, sixth, seventh inning, look out, because that's whenever they really pile on the offense. And I, it just had everything. I, Donahue out there in left field, just an absolute firecracker, five foot three, going nuts. Uh, it's awesome. It's so fun to watch. So – and I want to give Jana Johns her credit for hitting that bomb early that in that big. game. Uh, that was that thing was stroke. So I went to both games, right? So I got how depressing game one was in person, and then Ted Hall of Fame Stadium was rocking tonight. I mean, that place was going crazy. Me and twelve thousand of my closest friends. That's nuts. Yeah, I, they keep giving those those wide angle shots showing. Last night, it looked like there was just a couple of seats available. I mean, just a handful. Tonight, it looked like there's standing room only, if that. Uh, It was loud. You know, they got off to that quick lead, you know, and it was like, oh, my gosh, are we we going through this again? Uh, But the crowd was energetic, was into it, and it feels – unfair which is a good thing i think that's awesome that it's uh, such a lively atmosphere and that's what they deserve man they deserve to play in front of a huge crowd like that that's got to be so rewarding for them yeah and i thought uh, other than the homer she gave up early right they they fall in the two hole i thought g Wars was great man. she was fantastic she was um she was a little more fiery than i've seen you know she's usually a little more animated right she was, man. She was, she was uh, pumping her teammates up. She had, some, she had some fury going out there on the mound. That was awesome. I will say this. Uh, Sandra Cock, their pitcher, I have never – I mean, she basically walked to second base 
in between pitches. I was like, excuse me, ma'am. I've got a podcast to do after this. Can we hurry it up? Uh, they need to implement the Russell Westbrook rule, you know, that kept him from walking to half court. Uh, that's that's so mi- funny you mentioned that. Uh, me and my buddy, I, I brought my buddy Ryan Johnson to the game with me, and he was like, man, she does the old Westbrook routine. I was <laughs> like, right. oh, my gosh, you're right. That's right. All the way out there to half court and back. And uh, I bet if they change it, it throw her percentage off, too, just like it did Westbrook's. Still one of the craziest thing in sports that he's a horrible free throw shooter. Now it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense, but something cool. Uh, Jocelyn Allo's home run gave OU softball, the division one single season record for home runs with 159 breaking the record Hawaii set in 2010. So that's pretty sweet. And it was, it was very, it was very much needed in that game. That really, that, that hit, I mean, the place erupted, Ted, and they just rode that wave of momentum uh, single after single after single, right? Till they finally knocked Sandra Cock out of the game. Oh, well, when I, I don't know what it was like there, but whenever I was watching on TV, when she gets in the box, uh, Jocelyn Allo, it's just, you feel like it's coming. Like, here comes the bomb. It just looks like she's lined up. It's like uh, back in the day watching McGuire and Sammy Sosa where everything that came across the plate was hit out of the park. That's what you felt like was coming. Uh, it was a big moment. She needed a big moment, and uh, there was no doubt. I'm just sitting here thinking, what's up with this 2010 Hawaii team? How come I've never heard of that? <laughs> Whenever they flashed that up there, I was like, wait a second, who? Hawaii? I I saw that because they kept showing it on the the big screen at the stadium, and I was like, I maybe my memory doesn't serve it, but was, were they good in 2010? I mean, they I must have been pretty they good. Were. Or they played on like a uh, a little league park that was even smaller than than standard. I don't know, but uh, impressive nonetheless. So now that I feel like we're we are all experts on obstruction after game one, uh, was there anything you learned rules wise or anything from game two, or are we just going to get uh, get to the fact that they are playing the decisive game at two p.m. Central Time? Before we uh, before slaughter- we get real pissed off. Yeah, oh, actually, I have one off. thing to get you real yeah. riled up before we talk about the two p.m. start time for okay. the decisive game three. What is it? Danny Cannell, former <laughs> Florida State quarterback. Danny Cannell. And I, I like Danny, but my man, he, he's got some takes. And, of course, rooting for his Knowles in this series. He he threw out this one, and I'm just I I, I I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that it was throwing a little shade at OU. Now he doesn't do it. Uh, doesn't call them out by name, but I think we can all put two and two together. He tweeted, win or lose, I love the way the Knowles handled themselves on the field. There's no obnoxious celebrating routine flyouts or staring at the opponents. It's all about team and playing with class. Huh? I mean, come on. There's one thing I like about Danny Cannell. It's that I disagree with 
almost every single thing that he says, which is great. You got to have some people like that out there. Uh, come on, man. This game is played um, high energy, emotional. There's there's nothing that OU does out there that's disrespectful. There's no way. They handle themselves with class as well. You can get excited, yell to your teammates, uh, get each other pumped up. I got no problem with it. I do wish they had an alternate celebration yell other than let's go. But they do lean it. on the le- the let's go heavily. I mean, they heavily really lean on it. That's the that's my only beef with the celebrations. I I'm going to respond. I really enjoyed watching the Sooners win and all the yelling is awesome. Let's add a let, let's add a deal with it at the end. That's always fun. <laughs> deal, deal with it. it. Okay. Sent tweet. Perfect. <laughs> nice. I knew you would enjoy that, but it can, can the women not have some fun? Right. Well, can they, if it was men, we'd call it swag. We'd so we talk about how just because they're like, come on. It's I'm not it's so awesome. sure that it's it's something about diamond sports where you're not supposed to celebrate or something. It's it's the weirdest thing. We've been having this endless dialogue with baseball about showing up the pitcher. It seems like forever, but every pitcher that strikes someone out in a big moment is screaming and yelling and pumping their fists. So it's always it's all the it's the dumbest dialogue. It always goes back to if you don't want someone to celebrate strike them out, get them out, whatever you've got to do to win the game. That It, it always comes back to that, and you can't really argue with it. Now, yeah. we do have to talk about – see, I thought there was a, like, a, a legitimate reason. Like maybe the, the competition committee for collegiate softball said that they don't want replay because they want to keep the games rolling. Like the fact that the speed of the game is – uh, what draws so many people to it? They don't want replay, but that that doesn't sound like that's the case. I've heard no one mention that. So, does anyone know why they don't have replay? I the only thing I can imagine is that the NCA doesn't want them to have it, right? Because they have all the cameras. I mean, ESPN has a million cameras there. They have all the angles. I mean. The first couple of games I went to, they weren't even showing replays in the stadium. And I think so many people bitched about it that they showed a lot of replays in the stadium tonight. So, so I, it's I, just I don't, don't know. want them to have it. I, I, Do they just want to get the calls wrong? Mendez was safe by half a second. Yeah. I heard the call of that when I was in the car listening to Plank. And he was pretty fired up because it was totally obvious i didn't see it i was like eh, yeah, totally obvious it's probably a little homerism going going on saw the highlight i was like oh yeah no that was totally totally obvious <laughs> oh blake was right <laughs> yeah, blake, no blake, I, I mean we blake were there right. and i was i was sitting along the third baseline that plays obviously happened at first but you know shout out to dr luke clear sight lasik i got i got really good vision now and I was like, no, she was safe by a mile. And everyone around me, went, so we all start, and it's so stupid because they're not showing it in the stadium. We all start checking Twitter. And I just put a tweet out. I was like, okay, she looks safe. Was she safe? What are they saying on the broadcast? Yeah, that was that was wild. I don't know 
they've got to have replay moving forward. They just, they just absolutely have to. Yeah, it seems like, or at least for the championship series, right? At least when, when at the least title's the, on the line. Well, the whole tournament, if they're going to have 40 cameras there, just get it right. I'm with you. you. Know, just get it right. You, you, the last thing you want is, okay, that happened in the first inning. It didn't cost them the game. Although there were some questionable calls in game one, I still believe none of that cost OU the game. I thought Florida State was the better team in game one. So even though there's been some missed calls, some some bad missed calls, uh, or at least very controversial calls, um, I don't think it's been just egregious yet as far as you know weighing on the outcome of the game. If you're the NCAA, the last thing that you want is a missed call costing someone a championship in the final game, final moments of, of the, of the day. So you got to be able to get it right. I don't know. Are there any other sports that don't have it in whenever they've got at least the capability? I know some sports don't have the, the cameras all there and the replay capabilities, but the capabilities are there and easy for them. Yeah. And it makes, it it just makes them look silly when the television broadcast is going oh man they really blew that one and they're showing it in slow-mo from 17 different angles and you're like what and everyone keeps saying boy why don't they have replay sure is stupid that they don't have replay at this level we're talking about the championship here yeah you're right makes them look dumb yeah but well that's only the beginning of things that make them look dumb you think you think they'll have They'll have replay next year, I bet. Don't you think? I, I bet you, because there's been such backlash throughout this tournament about it. I mean, the cameras are there. Like, it's it's an easy fix. Just do it for the Women's College World Series. That's it. It's not that hard. Do I think they'll have replay next year? No, probably not. It is the NCAA. Good there's, point. Because there, there's no... You can't tell me there's... Replay has been going on since, what, the 90s. Right. And they've had the capability at this event for at least a decade. I technology wise, it's a really easy situation. I I would say no, that they won't do it. They'll wait for the criticism to die off and next year we'll have the same argument. That's usually how it works with the NCAA. Well, luckily for the NCAA, there's something distracting everyone from the fact that there's no replay. And that's the fact that they are playing the third and decisive game at 2 p.m. Central Time on a Thursday. And it's supposed to be like 94 degrees. And I'm going to be there, Ted. I'm going to be sweating. And I, I really wonder what the attendance is going to be like. The, the, the place has been packed these first two games. But I don't know how many people can get to a game on 2 p.m. at 2 p.m. on a Thursday, man. I don't, especially since it's a, if necessary game that you don't want to, you know, take a day off work if the game's not going to happen. Right. And you didn't know until this evening. So I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily that this one falls on the NCAA. This is ESPN. It sounds like a, a little bit more, but this is one of those situations 
where it makes me want to slap somebody. You know, like, wake up. Hello. What's going on? Why would you ever think that we're going to have the final uh, championship deciding game at 2 o'clock on a weekday? I just don't understand how anyone in any type of decision-making position can say, yes, yeah, that'll be, no one will notice. It'll be fine. No big deal. Thursday, 2 o'clock. I'm still in shock. I've been saying all week that, yeah, I know they've got it scheduled there. They're going to move it if there's actually a third game. There's no way they play that at 2 o'clock. They'd be the dumbest people on the planet if they did that. But I've still heard nothing. This this is going to shock you. I mean, this is going to shock you. I it uh, ESPN is getting a lot of shit for this, right? Mm-hmm. People are coming at ESPN. They're saying, you know, why are you doing this? This isn't up to them. That's what I'll say. This decision was not made by ESPN. It was made by the NCAA. They decided that there was an option, and I believe it was to move an NCAA track and field meet that will be on uh, in a better time slot instead of the decisive game of the Women's College World Series. So if you've already fired off your tweets to ESPN and you're already telling them how much they suck, just know this wasn't their call. It was the NCAAs, and they made their decision. And it seems like a really dumb one, man. I mean, people, when the schedule came out, people were destroying them. And now that the game is taking place, and unfortunately ESPN's caught up in all this, but they are, the the NCAA continues to make horrible, horrible decisions. I mean, just horrible. It's stupid. I was under the impression, and really, I still am, that I am the only person on the planet that watches track and field whenever it's on television. I think I'm the only person that watches it. Um, I never pass up a track and field meet on television. But I just, I refuse to believe that it has to be an either or between track and field and in the softball championship on a, a station that's got four channels or however many they have. You've right. got ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, and ESPN News. You can't find a window. You'd rather have some guys on there talking about scores and highlights on ESPN News. I, they move stuff onto that channel all of the time whenever there's weather delays or something happening. And yeah, but then people would just complain that it wasn't on ESPN or ESPN2, right? If you throw it on ESPNU or ESPN News, because well, I, I don't know how all the different is a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot better than just going ahead and having it too. I mean, I'll eat the complaints that it's on ESPN News. It's on prime time and that's kind of why that channel exists really is, you know, as, as kind of a, a space to throw things on really. I, I don't know. 
it's the they should put it on prime time no matter where they have to put it like even if uh, if it's a basic cable channel that you can put it on you put it on there yeah it's just disappointing um it's gonna be a lot of fun though i'm fired up you think g juarez gets the ball i know she just went complete game there but and she's cooking, right? You just hand it to her and say, hey, take us home, right? That's what she'd be. It'd be really hard not to give her uh, the rock and say, go win this thing for us the way she's throwing it. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have no, I have no idea what she's saying. She's coming back from what the biceps tendon surgery, right? I have no idea. She may be saying tonight that, oh my gosh, I was giving it everything. I'm, I'm, I'm sore. Didn't look like it though. She was coming off the the field after that last inning. Like she was amped up. Looks like she was feeling great. I mean, if she's healthy, if she's saying thumbs up, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. You've got to goggles. Didn't even fog up. Nope. Cool as a cucumber. Yeah. She was fantastic. Now, by the time some people listen to this, We'll know if OU won or lost the national championship in softball. I will say this. I don't think I've ever seen an OU team win a national championship in person. So I really hope they win because that'll be a first for me. And that'll be sweet. That'll be cool. Uh, I'll tell you right now. I think the way that this game unfolded is perfect for OU. I think that had OU came out in game two, and had like a 10-1 or a 12-2 type of victory. Uh, I think Florida State would have, you know, as it got away from them, said, okay, whatever, no big deal. But they had the lead pretty decently deep into this game. And there's a different feeling whenever you can taste it and it's right there and you're starting to think, oh, my God, are we going to win this thing? And then it gets taken from you and you sit there at night right now uh, eating a meal before you try and get some sleep saying, did we miss our opportunity at this thing? We had it. We had the lead and we gave it up. That's a different thing mentally to deal with. And uh, Oklahoma with that emotion uh, in, the, in the second half of that game, I think that momentum carries over uh, to game three. And, you know, honestly, I think it probably helps Florida State that it's going to be played at two. If there is a full crowd, I don't think it's going to be as rambunctious uh, as as it was the last couple of nights. People have been out there tailgating and and enjoying some spirits a little bit. I, I think it'll be a little bit more tamed crowd, which maybe favors Florida State, but it's going to be really tough, man. They, they gave it a good run. They, what they led for, what, 10, 11 innings? When did we finally take the lead? In the fifth or sixth? Was it the sixth inning? So they've, they've led 12 innings of, of the 14. That's pretty good, but I feel like it's all slipping away from them. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I'm pumped. All right, Can't let's wait. get to the OU football stuff, but first – Let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. 
Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier in Go Bank and First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020. With a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Okay, so Lincoln Riley, who was at the softball game, the youth camps uh, for OU football are going on this week. Uh, Saw some pictures, videos, guys like Spencer Rattler, Marvin Mims, out there with the kids that stuff's always pretty cool ted do you ever have to do any of that um yeah i think i went out there a couple of different times um just kind of as a as a helper just to kind of um help set up drills and stuff and face of the program theodore layman let the coaches run the drills and that was before i think they could actually pay him for that now Back then, they they couldn't even pay. You just had to kind of show up and and do it. But it's fun. See the little kids out there having a good time. Um, They got the younger – this is the younger kids camp, right, where it's a lot more fun and laid back. And then you'll have the big boys out there later, and that's whenever it's going to get pretty intense. Yeah. No. It's uh, – especially with – some high school football seasons being called off. It's like there's there's going to be a record number of kids at these big camps trying to get in front of coaches, and it won't just be OU. It'll be a, across the country. Just a bunch of kids going to be trying to get a look, trying to earn a scholarship at some big-time programs. So we talked about summer workouts and what players we thought needed to have big-time summers last episode. I'm not sure a lot of people understand what goes into the summer. I I had a few people comment on the YouTube video, a few people comment on some of the tweets we had asking kind of what the players have to do on a day-to-day basis. So I thought that'd be something interesting, you know, that we have a unique perspective that we could bring to. And the summer schedule for OU players, uh, to give you an idea of what it's like, and I do think some people think that players maybe don't have a lot going on in the summer. So a reminder, all this stuff, all this physical activity is on top of these players going to classes uh, so that they get their scholarship check. And, you know, some players like I did, some people take hard classes in the summer so that you, you don't have to, take them in the fall. Like I I took organic chemistry lab in the summer so that I didn't have to take it during the season or even during spring ball. So some people approach it that way. Other people take like the theory of music, no offense, no offense to any uh, theory of music people out there, but everyone has to learn how to play a recorder somewhere. Gabe. I did. I did too. Took it in the summer. I, and Hey, I'll tell you one thing that stuck with me longer than anything 
from college is learning how to play hot cross buns on a recorder. I, I, I think it would take me a minute or two to get it going. I think I could still hit amazing grace pretty efficiently. That's pretty good. Nice. But so, so you've got your classes, right? And uh, they may be difficult. They may be not, but you're, so you're still a student in the summers. You still have that going on. You also have mandatory meals. You have mandatory breakfast. Like you have to show up and eat and someone checks your name off a list. And if you don't show up, you get punished. So yes, you get punished if you don't show up and eat at the right times. Oh, is there, and I can't, I don't think it ever happened to me and I wouldn't be surprised if it never happened to you, but guys sleep through breakfast, man, that just a whore. I always felt so bad for him. You've have ever told you about my very first day of two days? Uh, I don't OU. think so. So this is hor. I, I sh- shouldn't say very first. Back then, we had three days of freshman two days padded before the big guys started, and then the big guys reported the big guys, the older guys, whatever. We had a team meeting the night before, and in that team meeting, Coach Stoop says. Breakfast is mandatory. I want to make sure everyone eats breakfast. You're going to be out in the heat all day. Everyone get in, eat breakfast before you get taped and before you get ready for practice. Next day comes. We're out getting ready for practice. Uh, We go through a little bit of a warm-up. We go through team stretch. And when team stretch is done, he blows up the whistle, calls everyone in. (laughs) He said. Raise your hand if you ate breakfast this morning. And everyone like looks around and raises their hand. And he goes, you lying sons of bitches, everyone on the line. And we ran. That's how we started two-a-days was horrible, horrible running. Like, it was a deep punishment run to where no one misses breakfast again. It was horrible. So no, I never. After that, never missed a mandatory. Which I ate. Let the record show. I ate breakfast that morning. I was not one of the liars. Uh huh. Sure, you did. <laughs> uh huh. My oh, my freshman year, I was remember. I I was hurt like my entire senior year. Broke my foot in basketball. Broke it again. I hadn't run. I got cleared to run on June first, the day that we started summer workouts. Dude, when I tell you I threw up so much, I threw up so much like in the first couple of weeks of workouts, there was a there was a solid like six months where I no longer could eat penne Alfredo pasta because I had thrown it up <laughs> so many times. I just I it just it didn't go well. But the the summer schedule is is pretty interesting because and I checked, Ted, I asked around, the staff now only gets one hour a week with the players to watch film. Now, of course, they can put together things for guys to watch throughout the week, but they can't be in there with them during that stuff. So it is only, it's one hour with the coaches in the summer right now for the players. Yeah. Yeah, um, which I'm guessing, does that time come from the strength and conditioning coaches or is that uh, allocated just to the coaches? Because they used to have to pull it out of the total pool. 
Yeah, from from what I understand, I didn't ask if it pulled out of the total pool, but all I know is they have the the coaches, like the on the field guys, have one hour a week. They get one hour with them. Yeah. Well, I know it's a full schedule, and the worst thing is, um, depending on what time your workout is. There's almost always a class, and it doesn't matter if the class is 30 minutes after your workout, an hour after your workout. It's going to be you. It's a permanent sweat that you've got going on the rest of the day, and you can't even pull a t-shirt over your body. And you're walking, and then as soon as soon as you finally feel like you've gotten cooled off a little bit, you have to walk across campus. And it's just, it's terrible. I know there's worse things uh, out there, but the day is not just lounging around the, the, the player's lounge or, or at your house. There's, there's all kinds of stuff to do that you have to do. Yeah. So the workouts with the strength staff are Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So this is the stuff that really sucks, <laughs> you know, where the guys are running and lifting. Uh, they're emphasizing the strength staff emphasizing different things on different days in the weight room and out on the field. Uh, you're, you're working on different things, different days out on the field, whether it's speed, you know, your stamina, strength, explosion, uh, agility, all, all that good stuff, right? So that's the stuff where the real men are made. I mean, when you think summer workout, Ted, I think that's that's kind of the stuff that people think is the only thing that, these players really have to go through in the summer and it's terrible, but it's also not the only stuff you're doing throughout a week. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of, of other things going. And I, I do think the schedule is different than what you and I went through. I think they do either one big group or two groups and it's in the morning and they've kind of got the the rest of the day that's at least how they do it in in winter i think they do it that way somewhat in summer as well to where you've got bigger groups than it back in the back in the day it was every 2 hours throughout the pretty much the whole day so there's probably what five different groups or something like that and they counted every rep <laughs> and saw everything <laughs> It's horrible. Yeah, you had way more coaches per per person. Which uh, counting every rep. That's. Uh, do you care if I tell a quick story? And this, no, this happened whenever I was at OU. But so you guys did the med ball throws, right? Where you throw the the abs, throw the med ball. Med ball to fifty. Forward. Count every number. Don't drop it. You start over. Right. Okay. So here's the thing. When I was there, we we did this deal where you throw. Over and back is, or we counted, we counted every rep to 50, I think. I think we counted every rep to 50. And then, like, we had a day where guys weren't counting well and people were dropping the ball. So instead of counting every rep to 50, they wanted us to just count over and back as one. That's how it was. Over and back is two. That's how it was for us. My entire time there over and back was one. Right. So they changed it 
like in one day, it's like, okay, so we're just instead of counting every rep, we're just going to count over and back is one. So over one, over two. And everyone's like, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to 25? Oh, no, no, no. We're still going to 50. Wait a second. Coach, you realize that's twice as many reps. It's the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> that's 100 of what we used to do. No, it's the same thing. Go. <laughs> oh, I'm, I <laughs> had no brutal. idea. Yeah, just changed it one day like that. It was horrible. Well, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we started going to 100 eventually. I, I think we did too, yeah. And But that one-day switch, it was just like, it, it was a disaster. But people caught on quickly, just like somehow you do. You felt like counting everyone to 50, there's no way you could do 55. And then the next day, you've got to do 100. And somehow, somehow you make it through. This is just turning into story time. But one time, <laughs> we were doing... We were doing, you know, the hill in the back, Schmitty's Hill, yeah, next to the duck pond. Mm-hmm. We were doing med ball on the hill, so like they're laying like it was the dumbest thing ever. Like I, I don't know what, what we were thinking, or what they were thinking. I mean, they are making us doing it. We're doing it, and he, he shall not be named, but a, a close friend of mine dropped the med ball, and it goes rolling down the hill <laughs> into the pond. <laughs> And we're all like, you've got to be shitting me. Oh, wow. start so, over. Yeah, nothing worse than uh, a moss-covered ball that you're trying to catch. And the, the real key to the med ball is do not be the last to pick your partner. That's something you better figure out early in the summer, who your med ball partner is. Crucial. People are listening to this going, is it really that important? <laughs> yes. It will. No, no bullshit. A good med ball partner was the key to getting through summer workouts. Because it's one of the first things you do. It's a it's a two hour workout from beginning. Like you're stretched and ready to go when Schmitty runs runs up. It's game on, and it's the first thing you do. And if that goes poorly, the rest of the day is going to go very poorly for There's everyone. No, there was nothing more demoralizing than getting to like forty six and have someone drop the ball. Starting oh, over, baby. God. Oh, let's stop talking about that. Okay, so what a lot of people may not realize uh, for summer for college football players, especially for the OU guys, just because, you know, this is what we went through and they do something very similar now is there there is a significant number of voluntary activities that are led by the players. And ever since Lincoln took over as the head coach, he's even kind of ramped it up even more to where – and we'll get to it, Ted. They they do stuff on Saturday during the summer. Yeah. So so what happens throughout the week is um, the offense. So like the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, tight ends, they will they will get together. They will throw routes a couple days a week where they get a ton of reps working on specific routes, specific concepts where they want to emphasize different things on different days, and it's separate from their strength and conditioning workout. So this is something that they're doing on their own. Now I'm sure they got a little sheet 
that uh, has some things listed out for them, just like we did uh, back in the day. But they they've got some of these guys have different workout times, so they actually have to come back later in the day when it's really really hot, and that's when they throw routes. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing better than going through leg day and then remembering, oh yes. I have to come back in the afternoon and run some routes. I can't wait. Yeah. See, I think some of this stuff is, uh, I think it's good. It's always good to have the guys out there together. Some of the older guys running some drills. You establish leadership that way. Let the quarterback be in charge of some things. That way you get the feeling that it's his offense and he can run things. But always kind of got the feeling a little bit that I personally do not like to do something if it's not exactly right and the check isn't exactly right, the route combination isn't played exactly right, and we don't get coached up on it right then and right there. I feel like that's whenever you develop like bad habits and some of those things that muscle memory is like locked in and you have to unlearn it later. So I do think that some of the things it's, it's sometimes it's just busy work that maybe isn't even good for you. If, if it's not done properly, but if you've got good guys that can coach it, that can lead some decent drills to where you're not out there going through the motions, wasting time and learning bad habits, then obviously you benefit from it. Yeah. Speaking of going through the motions, a couple times a week, seven on seven. So for the seven on seven sessions, this is separate from the workouts. It's normally, it could be in the morning, it could be in the afternoon, depending on kind of what the schedules are like for these guys. But the whole team is there and the offense and defense, they, they work on some things on their own. And then the skill guys get together and they do Pascal. They do seven on seven and work against each other. And while the skill guys go play seven on seven and have fun, the offensive line and defensive line get to excuse me, have the privilege of doing some one-on-one pass rush without pads. And even one year we uh, took that to some games sessions, some uh, two on twos or three on twos, which once again, also very, very fun when you're not wearing pads just so not mandatory but but highly suggested that you do it right oh not not mandatory yeah it's it's brutal it's tough um you know but again these are these are things that like championship level teams not only do but they do really well um you know, it could be it could be a big separation if you, you take a just think of a group that has uh, maybe a uh, lax leadership at the top and these seven on sevens and some of these these team situations aren't handled properly. It's just kind of a loose get together compared to a team that is on it. It's organized. It's fast. You get good work. Older players coaching up younger players. You go through a full summer, the amount of reps that you can have an advantage over your opponents on getting good work in can be totally crucial. Yeah. And then I guess the biggest difference, maybe it was different when you were there, Ted, but I don't remember doing stuff on Saturdays during the summer. Like that was a day that was 
a day of much needed recovery. I guess on Saturdays they like they meet, they stretch, they do seven on seven, uh, do some drives on air. I mean that this is just madness, man. Saturday in the summer, what what the world? Yeah, I was at the lake. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. I was like, man, because even Benny will put up stuff. Guys are working on Saturday. I'm like, that's awesome. But oh my gosh, there's no way. I cannot imagine how pissed off I would have been if they were like, yeah, no, 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 we're coming in Saturday. We're getting the work in. I'm like, dude, no, my legs no feel one, like they're going to fall off. Right. There's no one on campus on in, in the summer. There's nobody there. There's nobody in Norman. There's nothing to do. Um, socially, it's it's pretty boring and hey get that morning workout on friday i was always in the eight o'clock group which by the way is the best group to be in uh get that final workout done gone out see you sunday evening i had a couple uh early workout years 6 a.m dude the worst i i did Okay, so I guess from our last episode. So it to sum things up, you guys have a lot of stuff going on in the summer. You've got the workouts, you've got you've got the routes, you've got seven on seven, you've got all the individual stuff you're doing, you're watching tape. Like it's it's a busy, busy time. You're going to class and oh also you're trying to have somewhat of a social life. I mean, you're trying to be a normal human being and not just right. a, a robot, but Okay, I guess a lot, and this is, uh, I'm being told this from a couple different people, a lot has been made of what we said about some of the strength and conditioning stuff on last episode. Like, and and some guy on Twitter, Braylon Rogers, said, he says, they think Benny Wiley is soft, as are most of the players. They've made subtle digs at Wiley since they started the pod. I completely disagree with that. I I don't think Benny Wiley is soft at all. All we said was that when you look at the testing numbers, and this could be more of a recruiting issue than anything, right? Or it could be a combination mm-hmm. of things. We're we're not just a couple of old, you know, has been players on here saying, "Oh, the, the, it, they're, they're soft." That that's not it. We're just looking at the numbers, right? And with where Oklahoma wants to be. You you got to have freaks, man. You absolutely you got to have freaks that are putting up huge numbers. Now, give me great football players over great testing guys every time. Give me the players. But when you look at these dudes that Bama's producing and Clemson's producing and Ohio State is producing, all these guys going in the first round, the numbers they're putting up at pro days and, you know, I know the combine didn't happen last year, but you look at some of these numbers that's all we're saying. It's not some indictment on Benny Wiley. It's nothing personal with Benny. I love Benny. He's a great guy. Every time I see him, that's me up. We chat like he's, I think he's a great dude, but the numbers is all we're looking at. Yeah. And the numbers, they, they don't have enough guys that have put up great testing numbers. They got some, yeah. they got some really good football players, but it would be nice. And, I think it would make them a more legitimate contender for the national title year in and year out. 
if they had good football players that looked like freaks and tested like freaks. That's all yeah. we're saying. That's that's it. Hey, I I know I know 100% that there's a million different ways to get results um, through conditioning and strength training. There's uh, every strength and conditioning coach uh, does it differently. I'll straight up tell you the, I don't, I don't think the way that we did it whenever I was there is the best way to get like pure and simple, the best strength numbers or the best speed numbers out of people, but some things you have to do to accommodate the masses. But I, I'm all I'm looking at is whenever I see combine and pro day numbers, we don't have, rarely do we have outliers, guys that are um, doing things above and beyond the norms of their position groups. And I see a lot of those coming from some other places. There's strength and conditioning programs that routinely put those type of guys out. Um, that's all I'm saying. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not sitting here saying that you, we've got to copy that. All I'm saying is if you want to be, if you want to compete, compete with the best of the best at the very top, you've got to check every single box. And uh, like you're saying, we have great football players. We have great coaches. We also need incredible athletes and incredible development whenever, uh, you know, they get here. We've got to tie everything together to win at a championship level. That's how it is. That's it. I mean, it's pretty simple, right? And I'm not saying that Benny Wiley is it's not, not like we're the doing the workouts. The we don't know what the hell those kids are doing. I'm sure they're no. doing a lot of it. I mean, they put stuff out on social media. It. It looks like it's very scientifically driven. I, I'm sure there's a lot of research that goes into it. They go to all those clinics and things like I'm sure they're doing top notch stuff, but it's the results, right? And yeah. I do think it is, and I know OU has recruited better recently, but it has a lot to do with recruiting. You need to get more guys that are just physically superior, right? You know, I'll also say that you know, one of the things that has really changed over the years is compliance. Compliance has um, has made it incredibly difficult to to get your full run of everything that you need. Um, there's people standing there, like telling you exactly whenever you have to stop the workout exactly what you can and cannot do in workouts, what you can ask the guys to do and what you can't ask them to do. There's a bunch of restrictions that are put on that make it incredibly difficult to get everything that you want out of the, out of, out of guys that, that is a reality as well. Yeah. No, that you've got to figure out no a way to navigate about it. Yeah. There's no doubt. Now we had a call your shot question and it was basically how do you think you would fare going through a week of OU's summer workout program? <laughs> we got, we got some, we, we got, got some you, really good answers. Uh, okay. I thought you were saying someone asked that about no, us. No, no, like, no. how would we fare? Oh, it would not yeah. go well <laughs> for me. Did, I, I didn't tell you about this. So I'm working through the NFL line of duty disability filing stuff right now. Right. When you have an injury, 
you can file with the league a couple of years after you're done. Um, if you win the, you know, the suit, you, you know, you get a nice chunk of change, right? So because I had that knee injury, uh, you know, the, you, you hire a lawyer, they go through your medical file, go all the, go through everything, tell you, you know, what you should have looked at, examine, get x-rays of some things, MRIs of others. It's, it's not cheap to do. I'll tell you that, but they're like, Hey, get your right and left shoulder x-rayed. And I was like, what, why I've never had a shoulder problem. I was like, I have the healthiest shoulders of like any lineman ever. And a couple of weeks ago, my right shoulder, I was like, man, this is the first time my shoulders ever really bothered me. Well, go get the right shoulder x-rayed and go to this orthopedic surgeon that I've known for ever. And he's like, dude, does your right shoulder like hurt all the time? I was like, I'm the last week or two. Like it started bugging me a little bit. First time it's ever happened. He was like, it's probably because your shoulder basically looks like you need a shoulder replacement. And I was like, excuse me, what now? What? So that was fun to find out about. Don't tell me that because. Dude, I'm telling you, don't do it. You do not want to see. You don't want to see it because. Both of my shoulders hurt every single day. All day. Don't get the the x-rays done, dude. It's just going to make you sad. No lie. I just thought I was going to get some, hey, your right knee's arthritic, which I already knew, right? Mm-hmm. And whew, it was a tough day. I came home, told my wife, and I started crying. No lie. I was like, it's bad. It's real bad. Uh, that's horrible. I hate it that. was awful, Ted. <sighs> okay. That but other than sad. that, I feel great. But, <laughs> oh, basically all the call. I don't know why that – Reminded me of that in the call your shot question. We got some really funny responses. These are these are basically how they went. Uh, this comes from at will underscore cow. He said it would be the best last week of me on this earth because I'm sure I'd probably die. Um, yeah. The queso on Twitter at the queso nice handle says it'd be two hours of me throwing up with me asking every spring. When do we bench? Can I bench with the kickers, please? He says, this obviously assumes I don't fall to my death running stadium steps. Uh, hey, let me just tell you something about the when do we bench thing. My So whenever I came in the summer before my freshman year to start workouts with OU, uh, I was a strong high school kid. I was a 400-pound bencher in high school. Good Lord, and man. I come in, and we go to our first, like our first workout. We do the speed stuff. We're, you know, we're outside dead i'm i mean just totally smoked going over the hurdles doing all kinds of things just i mean i can't even explain you know how exhausted i was i was totally smoked we go into the weight room and i'm like finally we get to go in lift some weights this is going to be so much better i was so exhausted i could we had dumbbell bench and i was like sweet this i'm really going to show them what's up i couldn't even move like the 60s on dumbbell bench it was that's how that's how spent i was just totally smoked couldn't do anything it was horrible oh good time i did like four reps and i was like wait wait what's happening my arms are like shaking help. <laughs> Schmitty, help please it's funny 
Dude, it's so funny how every single guy that went through that program has those stories. God, I remember trying to do like, you remember we would do the med ball push-up thing. Like you do a push-up and then you'd catch yourself. Oh yeah. The plyo. Yeah. Dude, there was a couple where I swear to God, just like everything in my arms <laughs> stopped working. Just, Oh, Oh God. Help. It's terrible. Oh. You're trying to find any way to skip a rep somewhere without anybody noticing. Could, is it possible? Can I, I, am, skip one? I am sweating. Like you, you have me like sweating in a panic <laughs> thinking of this stuff. Let's stop talking about it. Let's talk money. Did we already do that one? I already did that one. We don't need it. I love first fidelity bank, but I don't need to do two reads for him. <laughs> do you own a business? If you do, you need insurance in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your part, if your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And make sure you connect with our friends at Advanced Weight Loss Clinic Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Week. Uh, so, winner of the week it's so what day is it i've watched so much softball i don't even know what day it is it's it uh it's week. winner yes. of the week um i had to go you know playoffs have not gone great for playoff p uh since that name was was handed to him but he did do something cool i thought this was really cool of him uh he's sending a big group of kids because a lot of the activities and stuff that they typically do during the year were obviously cut short. So he's sending a big group of kids to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama. They're going to learn all kinds of uh, really cool things with NASA and the space program. Uh, I thought that was awesome for, from playoff P, even if it was maybe to uh, put some good news out there and hide from uh, some of the statistics here recently, but I thought that was pretty cool seeing some guys uh, do some charity and, and get some kids going to see some things that maybe they would never have the opportunity to do otherwise. Very cool. Were you uh, a space camp guy? I, I don't think I ever went to space camp, but one of my brothers was really into the space stuff. So we had like the model shuttle, all that stuff. You know, thing that put stars on the ceiling. Yeah. I, uh, I was exposed to a lot of, uh, space camp stuff in my day. Uh, for I sure. had the, I had the glow in the dark stars on my ceiling for an awkwardly long time. Yeah. Finally it was like, okay. Yeah. I don't want anyone to see this. You want to, you want to talk about awkwardly long time. I think <laughs> I asked a girl to prom with those things <laughs> like spelled prom <laughs> on the ceiling with them. I think. <laughs> 
Dude, they never fail, baby. Stars on the ceiling. Do 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 people still do that? Is that still a thing? I don't know if they still do it. My son has this little globe that's got a bunch of LED lights on it, and it like rotates, so it like does a projection of the stars on the ceiling. That's fancy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's kind of the new age glow in the dark stars, I guess. So you don't have to like get a cramp in your neck, like doing it, like standing on the bed and putting them Reaching in there. Reaching as high as you can. No, no. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? <sighs> if any of this is true, it's uh, Bo Beckler from Michigan. Oh, now, boy. We've all kind of heard of the story. Dr. Robert Anderson, who was their longtime team physician there at Michigan, has been accused of um, um, sexual assault with, with some of the players and touching inappropriately. And now Bo Schimbeckler's son, Matt Schimbeckler, 62 years old, which uh, for the record is one of Bo Beckler's adopted sons from uh, his second, I believe his second wife that he married that had kids from a prior marriage. And he's going to be making a public statement, I think either today or tomorrow about what went on. Uh, he says that Dr. Anderson molested him at 10 years old whenever he was getting a physical for a peewee football league. And he claims that whenever he told uh, Bo Schimbeckler about it, he punched him uh, as a 10-year-old. So I, I don't know how much truth there is to this. Uh, I'm guessing that if you're going to come up with a story like this, it's not something you just totally fabricated. I did see some people claiming that uh, anything that, Matt Schimbeckler says is not to be believed. He's already tried to sue Bo Schimbeckler over different things previously. I don't know anything about that. All I know is this is bad, and there's way too many stories of coaches in different sports, at different levels, hearing something from athletes and not taking any action whatsoever. That yeah. has to end. It's got to end, right? And I, I do think that those days are hopefully over, right? That style of coaching. Now, clearly, we're talking about something, you know, way more serious, right? But, yeah, I I assume some people that love Michigan saw that and it broke their damn heart, right? Because Bo Beckler is a legend, of Michigan football. I mean, and he was a hell of a coach when, when you just look at the wins and losses, right? One well, a ton. It's, their, it's their, you know, their main football building is named after him. It would be equivalent. I know he doesn't have the championships or anything, but it would be equivalent to like Barry Switzer, you know, the right. Switzer center. Yeah. It's, it's, he's held in that regard. Yeah. So man, those are some, some serious allegations, man. And I I did see that and I was like, oh man, I bet because you're right. I mean, Schimbeckler is I mean, he's brought up all the time. Like he's synonymous synonymous with Michigan football. So right. if he was enabling that kind of stuff or not not saying anything, not doing anything, that certainly 
will change his legacy. There's no doubt. But once again, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here, but yikes. And it's hard, you know, because I believe the doctor passed away what a handful of years ago. So, you know, it's, it's hard to really, you know, not that he would have ever verified anything anyways, but at this point, it's just kind of, uh, you have to take victims words on that, on, on that, that alone. So, yeah. So man, that's, that's disturbing stuff. Hopefully no coaches do that stuff anymore. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, but there's, there's well, terrible people in the world, man. Here's the thing. I, I, I think coaches feel like, um, if, if you, you don't want to upset, like if you upset anything, the whole world's going to fall apart. Right. Like right. If, if, if you go and call this doctor out and call the cops and they start an investigation, like all of a sudden no one's ever want to go play football at Michigan again. And it's going to be some huge deal. You know, I think that that feeling is there, but it's just not true. It's just not true. In the end, it's, it's always going to be far worse for way more people for a million different reasons. If you let trash like that continue. Yeah. Pretty simple, right? Do the right thing. Do what's right. The do right rule. Do right. Pretty simple. Pretty simple way to live life. Okay, guys. Oh, easy transition here. Guys, spring is here. And you know what that means. It's hard to help. It's hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley hard seltzer from Coop Ale Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma and it is absolutely delicious. Will and Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near you and go follow them on social media at, at Will and Wiley. If you're drinking some because of us, tag them and let them know. Okay, my winner of the week. Thought about going with the Wasso's own Shake Milton, right? I mean, he was huge for the 76ers in their game to win over the Hawks. Some big time shots. God, and- how many threes did he hit? It's like what was it like four, four, five big ones, big time I mean, shots. He was he was awesome for them. But then I also was like, ah, we've we've kind of adopted the Hawks as our squad because of Trey Young. So yeah. I I couldn't pull the trigger on making Shake my winner of the week. Sorry, Shake. Sorry about that. I also thought about going with Oklahoma State football, right? Scheduling the home and home with. Alabama was it 28 and 29 that's right that's right unfortunately for Oklahoma State (laughs) Nick Saban is still going to be there probably is Mike Gundy well I mean Gundy's he's not an old guy and I'm going to say no I'm going to say no that's a long eh, it's really not that long what do you think? I, I'm going to say yes because I don't know who else would, who else would do a better job. I don't know. I, I think I'll still be there. Sure, both Gundy. That 2028 game, it's going to be Gundy v Saban. All of the people, the people that were there when Gundy got that job are, are quickly diminishing. They're quickly um, uh, fading from power at the university. 
and the fan base is about as uh, cold on Mike Gundy as they've ever been right now. That's true. So a couple of down years, it wouldn't shock me if he's gone. Does and Chad it also Weiber wouldn't shock me if he has like a Gundy. big year and bounces. Huh. Because he's been offered some things before. He's flirted with a lot of jobs. Like If he could flirt with any one of those right now again, my guess is he'd bail. Maybe he'll bail before 2028 because he sees this game on his schedule and he's like, nope, I'm good. No, thanks. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> but my my winner of the week, college football playoff expansion. Ted, it's, it's all anyone is talking about. It's everyone's favorite topic to debate. Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports puts out an article saying that the 12-team model is the early favorite when the college football playoff expands. Well, we'll see what happens there. There's a working group that's going to report to the college football playoff management committee in the middle of July. But if you look at the 12 team format, it does seem like the logical format for it would be the first four teams get a buy, you know, your top four seeds get a buy. Then you would have five hosts, 12, six hosts, 11, seven hosts, 10, eight hosts, nine. And, I think maybe I would want them to reseed everything after the first round of games so that the number one seed is playing the worst opponent. I, I'm not sure if anyone would really care if that happens or not. But, Ted, I know you saw this. I know you have thoughts. 12-team playoff. What do you think? Yes, I love it. Um, I want more. And the NCAA has no choice. I know people loved – just the plus was just the BCS. And then now everyone says four is fine. We don't need more, more teams. Doesn't mean there's more people that are going to win the championship. It doesn't matter. NCAA doesn't have a choice. There's a couple of things that are going to continue to happen. Star players on teams that are not in the playoff, the 14 playoff are not going to play in bowl games anymore. Right. The precedent is out there. It's just, it's not going to happen. Teams are going to start, or players rather, are going to start opting out of that, which means sponsors are going to start opting out of those bowl games. If you used to get a couple of good teams that didn't quite make the playoff, but they're going to be playing in the the Cotton Bowl or the Peach or wherever is not a playoff site, you're still going to get a really good game with with some really good opponents that people want to see. It's not the case anymore. If I'm, a, if I'm sponsoring one of those bowl games and all the star players are not going to be there and the coaches after the game are going to say that, oh, well, it didn't matter anyways, we already played our last game of the season, then I'm not going to pay any money for it. So if they want more people to be engaged, they're going to have to add more teams to the playoff. The other thing, uh, teams are really struggling across the country of putting butts in seats and People are tired of going to home games where you've got or buying a, a full season worth of tickets whenever you've got maybe one really good home game. And the rest are bad, easy, non-conference opponents that you know you're going to beat. If you add to the playoff, then you're going to also get way better non-conference games. That may a be a chance to possibly host a home playoff game if they go that route. Yeah, that the... This leading to better non-conference games is one of the biggest positives 
for me. Um, I also think a 12-team playoff, we've gotten some really terrible playoff games in the four-team format because there's just some teams that have been so much better than others, right? And and that's still going to happen when you expand to 12. But I do think those first-round games and probably a couple of those second-round games, right, you're going to get some really damn good football games. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think one of the reasons we have really bad games is you have a really long layoff. And whenever you have a really long layoff, you start chasing ghosts and creating things and picking a new style of offense or a new defensive game plan that you're going to run. And it turns into a disaster. Oh my God, they're not doing anything that we thought. If, if it stays in a week by week continual calendar, like, like you do, let's say in the NFL, you're not, you're going to get more of what you've seen from that team all year long. And it's not going to be all of a sudden a month later, you see a completely different team. I think that is one of the things that hurts college football. Yeah. And just getting to see more teams in the playoff would create more intrigue. Everyone wants their team to have a chance, right? Right. Yeah. And 12, it feels, I mean, if you're a power five team, maybe if you're not a Kansas fan, but if you're a fan of a power five team, 12 teams getting in, like it, it, it feels attainable for everyone. And that's the thing is, even if you know you're not going to win a national championship, you still have a goal, no matter who you are, no matter what program you are. My guess is uh, the non-Power Fives are going to have a, a better shot in this as well. The new level for most teams is going to be make the playoffs, just like it is in the NFL. There's only a couple of teams in the NFL that are going to win a Super Bowl, but every fan base's goal is to make the playoffs, right? We made the playoffs. Oh, my God, we made the playoffs. Yes. Well, if, if you expand this thing to 12, you can be a, a, a team that otherwise is usually going to be a three-loss team. Like, a, say you're Kansas State. You're a three-loss team. You somehow won the conference championship. You're an automatic qualifier. You got a chance to go play for it all, when otherwise you'll never have a chance to do that. Right. So I, I do think fans would feel more invested. It would keep them more invested longer into the season, which has been an issue. It would make the conference races feel more important. It gives the group of five a chance to actually make it into the field. And it would it would just be fun. And I mean, it's more football. I uh, along with it encouraging teams to play tougher non-conference games like you mentioned like there's a lot of positives to that 12 team format it did piss me off that they said that the conference championship they are they don't want to make it an automatic qualifier it that would, would still be, be really really stupid i know they said it'd still be weighted but um they don't think there's got to be, be auto bids or else there's no reason to expand or there's no reason to even have conferences yeah what does that even matter yeah it, I, and the reason they say well we'll still wait it it'll it'll be it's because well if we like you we'll give you credit for it if we don't like you we won't give you credit for it they want to hold on to some level of control stupid yeah just looking at a couple negatives that could 
possibly arise from the 12 team playoff, the big 10 and the sec are going to get a bunch of teams in, right? If you look at the last five seasons, if there would have been a 12 team playoff, the big 10 and the sec would have had 30 of the 60 teams in those five playoffs. And okay. I, I really don't have a problem with that, especially the sec because it's the best conference got the best players. So they should probably have the most teams in the playoff. Like that's, I'm I'm fine. Two team max. I why though? Why a two team max? Because I think that's plenty. If you have five conference champions, if you have um what what was the proposal on the non power five? Like there was a like was the some- highest ranked group of five champ. Something like that. Um, there's an automatic qualifier there. Um, I don't know. I think you could. I think you could do it without doing. I mean, it, it's better for the sport to spread it across the country. I don't think there's any doubt that there's more people in the SEC, more teams that are better. Okay, but if you want to continue to grow the sport and engage the West Coast and engage like areas of the country that haven't had a fighting chance in a long time. And those people, have, they've tuned it out. Ah, we're not going to be any good this year. If you want to engage everyone, and I know that maybe that doesn't get automatically your best 12 in, at some point, who cares if you got the best 12? If you got the best four, that's really all that we care about. Right. But it would. this is going to take some negotiation and – why would the SEC agree to that, right? They're already getting two teams in sometimes at the four team. Why would they say, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Two team max. Like there's, and they, they carry some serious weight. I, I don't know. I, for me, it would be, you get the five power five, you get the one group of five, and then you just, you well, take no the other doubt. six. There's no doubt that a two team max would be better for college football, but it wouldn't be better for the SEC. Right. I mean and that's it is having teams that aren't as good as other teams in like uh, having a team that is not as good as a team in instead of a team that's better than them, like that. I don't think that's I, I know what you're saying when you say good. You good, mean though. regionally, right? Yeah, but and it's not long before. I don't think before. bad teams in over a better team is good for college football. I don't. No, but you get that. I had a lot of trouble explaining the, how I wanted to say that, by the way. No, it, it makes sense. I know what you're saying, but it doesn't last long, in my opinion. It wouldn't last long. If, if you had uh, Oregon and USC make it, instead of Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and LSU make it, well, you're going to get a lot of airtime and a lot of credibility given to those West Coast schools, and it's going to help them and recruit them. It's going to help them in donations. It's going to help them pour more resources into their program, and it's ultimately going to balance everything out. Again, bad for the SEC, but good for the landscape of college football if they want to get more fans and more fan bases bought in and involved instead of just 
a regional part of the country down in the South. Yeah. One, one other issue that I thought of when they were talking about the top four teams getting a buy and that first round of games being held on campuses. I was like, well, it kind of feels like you're punishing, punishing yeah. them by not letting them have a game like the university. They, they want some of that money, right? They want the gate. They want that their economy wants the revenue that comes from hosting a big time game like that. So I don't know how the top four teams will be compensated for that. Or if, I don't know. That seems like a complex. They can issue. host a watch party. Yeah. <laughs> who, who will we play? Come to the stadium and watch. Okay. My loser of the week thought I get thought about going with people that eat Chipotle. Uh, I don't eat there a lot, but I guess prices are going up. I saw it all over Twitter. Prices are going up to offset paying their employees more. So, Ted, that guac is that guac is going to be extra extra now. Well, you know, I like Chipotle. I think it's really good. But it's pretty well known that you can get almost the exact same thing down the street at Cudoba for way less money, right? I think that I, I think some people would debate you on that that they're the exact same thing. Yeah, would, I mean there is people are a passionate difference. about their burrito places. Yeah, I'm a Moe's guy, but all the Moe's are gone. There's yeah. there used to be one in the airport. It wasn't a very good one, but I loved Moe's, and yeah. they're not. If here. you want the worst version of any restaurant, go to the airport. There's that's where their worst. <laughs> that's version so true, is. Um, but. I, there is a difference between Chipotle and Cadoba. I there is, but is it that noticeable in this guy's opinion? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm a quantity it. over quality type of guy. Just just give me the meat and the cheese. Lots of meat, <laughs> lots of cheese, some veggies. Let's roll. I I also thought about going with Garrett Cole's publicist. After, after what he said, I don't think he handled that question about using sticky stuff the way that uh, his publicist. I'm assuming he has a publicist. He may not. I mean, he's a he's a very successful baseball player, but that uh, uh um, I don't know how uh, exactly how to answer that question. That was one of the all time. Oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? Moments. It was so funny. Come on, lie like everyone else always has. Just okay? say no. <laughs> Just say no. Next question. Or, well, even if you say no comment, that's a yes. So just say no and move on. Uh, what's crazy about this whole thing is, is it Chris Sale, the, um, oh, the big um, oh God, well, home run hitter. He said that. Chris Sale's a pitcher, I'm pretty sure. Well, well who was it? One of the. One of the big hitters, I've got the name wrong, said that he doesn't want them to enact this rule because he wants a pitcher to have a gr- good grip on the baseball when he's throwing it 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, it's a baseball. It's not like he's throwing some slippery object at you. People have thrown baseballs. 100 miles an hour for a wrong, long time without some type of crap on it. That was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. That sounds like something Pete Alonso would say from the Mets. Yeah. I'd rather not be able to hit it 
than it hit me, even though it's not going to hit me. That's so stupid. (laughs) What what an odd thing to say. Okay, but my loser of the week, the Los Angeles Clippers. Yes, we're back, baby. We are back. Cheering against them continues to fuel me through the NBA playoffs. And, man, did I enjoy watching the Clippers blow that lead in the second half in game one against the Jazz. Now, we you mentioned some of the great stuff Paul George is doing. Our man playoff P off the court. But still, still not exactly killing it in the playoffs. Went four of seventeen, and I'll say, hey, I'll send some kids to camp to cover up for that four of uh, four of seventeen night. There's no doubt. Keep taking care of the kids, Paul George. You're the man. But yeah, keep shooting four of seventeen too, because it brought joy to my heart. Uh, shout out to Donovan Mitchell for exploding in the second half of that game. It was weird. I mean. They said he was like sick in the first half, wasn't feeling well, I guess. Hey, coronavirus game for Mitchell. You gotta love it. Hey, and he explodes. Ends up with 45 points in that game. Ted, I won't even lie. I was cheered for Rudy Gobert. I did it. I was able to do it. It didn't feel good, but I was glad when he blocked Marcus Moore's shot there at the end to seal the victory. I was like, you know what? Maybe it was one of those half-hearted, like I almost like almost cheered, almost clapped, and like my hands physically resisted the, each other. And I was like, ah, but I was happy. I was happy was that crazy. the Clippers lost. It looked like his uh, fingertips were like 15 feet in the air when he blocked that three. It Pretty was, impressive. I mean, what did he win? Just like his fourth defensive player of the year? Yep. He's he's pretty good at the whole preventing people from putting the ball in the basket thing. But they, they Jazz did it without Mike Conley. And we'll see, we'll see when he returns and kind of what shape he's in when he returns. But I, I don't feel great about the Jazz winning the series after watching that game, especially if an effective version of Mike Conley doesn't return for the Jazz. But Teddy, I just enjoy watching the Clippers lose so much. I just, I love it. It's fun. It's good. I, I. This is how I felt about Tony Romo his entire career. It's more fun to root against someone than it is to root for someone. We're terrible people. In some instances. I guess maybe not in all of them, but in uh, the Dallas Cowboys case, it is. Well, on that note, episode 119 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.